Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Hi, guys. We're here at day one uh, on with the, the Binance Blockchain Week with Anthony Pompliano, or Pomp, as he's famously called. Um, welcome to the show, Pomp. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Welcome to Singapore as well. Is this your first time? Uh, it is not my first time, but uh, it's uh, it's one of my favorite places in the world. So is it? Are you just saying that? Or no, no? It, it, it's uh, it's beautiful, and uh, the people are very uh, nice. And then uh, yeah. I, I joke all the time whenever you drive from the airport into Singapore and you see Marina Bay Sands, right? The Ferris wheel, etc. Yeah. It's just exciting to kind of drive into to the city, probably more so than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. So, so you're a founder and partner at Morgan Creek Digital, and I want to get into what you do at the fund, yep. um, plus your investment thesis as well. Uh, but before we get into that, um, a lot of our listeners uh, and viewers are from Asia, different parts of Asia, okay. including Korea, India, parts of Southeast Asia. Um, and, and some of them might not, there might be just a handful of people who might not know about your background or what you do. Yeah. yeah. Um, could you quickly walk us through um, your background, how you got into crypto and yep. what that journey has been like? For sure. Uh, so, uh, played football in college, uh, was in the US Army for uh, six and a half years, um, served a uh, deployment overseas to Iraq, uh, came back, uh, built and sold two tech companies, went and ran a number of product and growth teams at uh, Facebook and Snap, um, then started a venture capital fund. Uh, when, was, when was the VC fund? Sorry to jump in. Uh, started that in 2016. Okay. Um, and uh, while doing that, we invested in about 65 companies. Okay. And what was the focus? Uh, uh, just early stage venture capital. Okay. So really just backing great entrepreneurs as early as we possibly could. Mm. Uh, didn't care about location, uh, didn't care about uh, industry, etc. cetera. Uh, that fund's gone uh, very well for us. Um, and then- uh, Is that still running? Uh, so all the capital's deployed and we're yeah. just riding out the, the companies, but- um, okay. Uh, it's doing well. And then we started uh, building mining facilities in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thought process was, uh, I'm very familiar with the data center business. Mm-hmm. And uh, mining was data center businesses on steroids. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so uh, my partner and I, uh, Jason Williams, uh, we built uh, four mining facilities and uh, we're off to the races after that. Yeah. So my, what were you mining? Uh, in the beginning, we were mining Ethereum. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually started mining Bitcoin as well. Okay. And how did Morgan Creek Digital come about? Yeah, so after we deployed the first fund at, uh, at Full Tilt, um, we knew that we wanted to raise a second fund, mm. all focused on crypto. Uh, we were really interested in raising from institutions. Sure. And as we started talking more and more to Mark Yusko, who's the founder of Morgan Creek, mm-hmm. um, we just realized that one plus one was going to equal like three or four. Yeah. Uh, and he had great... Um, you know, kind of uh, background and relationships with institutions. We had great deal flow and, and kind of direct investing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Morgan Creek also had a 40 person, you know, full-time employee staff that uh, provided everything from regulatory licensing, compliance, sales and marketing, administrative support, et cetera. Sure. Uh, and so we merged in uh, Q1 of uh, 2017 okay. and, um, or I'm sorry, 2018. Uh, and uh, have been off to the races since. Okay. I mean, I'm not sure how much you're able to disclose, but could you talk about how the fund is structured? Um, who are your LPs? You mentioned there are some institutional investors. Yeah. Are you, are you guys more sort of venture-focused, more hedge fund style? Um, yep. what, what's the time horizon? 
and and basically how how you structured the fund. Yeah, so we've got yeah. uh, we've got two funds. We've got a venture capital fund and an index fund. Um, okay. Venture capital fund is looking to make direct investments into uh, companies um, for equity, uh, and that those investments will be monetized by either companies going public or. Um, you know, being acquired, yeah, and then uh, the LPs um, are a majority of the capital from institutions, okay, um, and then on the index fund side, uh, it's just giving individuals or institutions uh, beta market exposure. So, yeah. uh, top ten cryptos, market weight average, rebalance monthly. Uh, I've got some float requirements, and mm -hmm. um, you know, really just trying to. Uh, not outsmart the market and just say we'll take whatever it gives us and we think that'll be good enough. Mm -hmm. So as far as institutions are concerned, I mean, is it more family offices? Or what's like what kind of size are we talking? I mean, like how big are these institutions? Yeah, Obviously, so you won't be able to disclose the names, but like just so our largest institutions, uh, the two anchors for the fund, one manages like 1.8 billion, another okay. manages like 4 billion. Okay. So, so pretty large institutions. Um, and then we've got, you know, hospital system, insurance company, um, university endowment, mm -hmm. uh, some family offices, some uh, individuals, yeah. uh, but, but the bulk of the capital is coming from those institutions. Okay. And you would hold both tokens and equity um, on, the, on the VC fund side, or is it just you have exposure to the top 10 cryptos? on the index side, and then everything else is So equity. on the venture fund, uh, majority of the capital goes direct investing. Um, we do have the ability to uh, to hold a very small amount of uh, liquid tokens. Think of it as just like Bitcoin or Ethereum, yeah. um, but, but it's very small and definitely not the focus of the fund. Okay, so you're not actively trading anything. Yeah. I'm a horrible trader, yeah. so uh, yeah. okay. I, I, uh, I think I know what we might be okay at doing, but I also sure. know what we're horrible at, and trading is definitely at the top of that list. <laughs> sure. So you're focusing on your core competencies, which makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Um, so as far as VC investments are concerned, I mean, you've been a VC before in sort of the quote-unquote traditional world. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, could you talk about some of the sort of the skills or the, some of the qualities that you look for in a team or, or a founder um, that has been transferred from sort of the traditional VC world into yep. crypto? Yeah. So. Uh, Every single thing that we did before, we're doing today, and it doesn't matter if it's crypto or not. Sure. Um, so a lot of people, uh, I think, are surprised when we start to explain what our investment thesis is, right? But my personal criteria is three things. I need a really strong, impressive team. Mm -hmm. I need them to have uh, a track record of execution mm -hmm. uh, with momentum at their back, and I need them going after a big market. And if I see those three things, I usually invest. Mm -hmm. And the reason being, uh, I don't care what product they're building, I don't care what their com competition's doing, I don't care what the you know regulatory environment is. Mm -hmm. All of that stuff's going to change over time. Mm -hmm. But if we bet on the right people, we're betting on them to solve problems, yeah. right? And so we want to find people who can solve those problems. Um, and then we need them to have a propensity for action or for execution. Mm -hmm. And so when you see a team that has been building and executing with or without capital, mm -hmm. um, you have the feeling like these people are going to be successful even if I don't give them money, sure. right? And those are the people sure. that you actually want to back. Yeah. Uh, and then a, the large market opportunity just means that the company can get really big if mm -hmm. the right people solve the problem, right, and execute correctly. And so those are the three criteria. Okay, and are you able to talk about what your typical ticket size is? 
We've done everything from uh, $250,000 checks to uh, a couple million bucks. And, and what stage would you typically invest at? Is it really early or is it sort of Series A, Series B? We'll do everything. You're agnostic. Um, we, uh, we've uh, literally been the first money into pre-seed deals and we've done, um, we did a company at a multi-billion dollar valuation. Okay. And so very high level speaking, I mean, if we talk about your investment thesis, and I don't know if you have a thesis, um, is there some sort of um, a mental model that you deploy in terms of thinking about the ecosystem um, as a whole and then where you allocate your capital? Yeah, I, so probably not from an investment standpoint as much as just my personal interest and sure. investments tend to follow sure. what you're interested in. Yeah. Um, I really break it down into uh, three buckets. One is Bitcoin, two is tokenized securities, and three is uh, infrastructure for the crypto industry. Mm -hmm. um, Bitcoin, pretty self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. uh, if we can disrupt money with technology, that's gonna be incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. um, and it is probably the best risk reward available in all of technology today. Yeah. Uh, there's not very many assets that have 50 plus billion dollars in market cap and mm -hmm. uh, could still 100X. Sure. Um, tokenized securities, uh, my core thesis since day one has been every stock, bond, currency, and commodity will be digitized or tokenized mm -hmm. um, at some point in the future. Uh, I think we're starting to see that now and, and that'll accelerate over time. Sorry, uh, to jump in, so as far as tokenized securities are concerned, so um, I mean, if, if there's a, a real estate company that is tokenizing their uh, assets, mm -hmm. um, would you invest in that security? Is that what you mean by investing in tokenized securities? Because that would be essentially investing in real estate. Yep, so right, right now we would not do that deal out of the fund. Mm. Um, we could do some SPVs or, or personally invest into those types of deals. Sure. Um, but when I talk about investing in tokenized securities, uh, we've made a couple of investments in infrastructure companies sure. around that. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, I think publicly we've talked about investing in trust token, uh, open finance network, um, also into um, city block capital, uh, and then there's a couple other investments like that that we haven't announced yet as well. Sure. Uh, and so to get it to the third bucket and, and you kind of, you know, transition yeah, into so that as well. So infrastructure. infrastructure. Yep. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, we've made investments into a number of companies that um, aren't dependent on the price of Bitcoin going up or down or other sure. crypto asset. Uh, as long as the overall market size grows, these companies will make money. Mm -hmm. um, and so everything from data to exchanges um, to, to kind of special uh, use cases for blockchains um, were, were uh, you know, kind of all across the board there, just looking for opportunities to back uh, really special entrepreneurs who are going after these large markets. Okay, and and are, are these mostly, I'm presuming the infrastructure deals are mostly equity deals, right? O um, almost everything, so we won't yeah. make an investment unless it is in a uh, regulated offering that uh, gives us equity or claim on cash flow. Okay, um, what do you make of the, I mean, and I'm, I'm guessing you, you have talked about it publicly as well, some of the protocols, um, so, you know, there's that whole store of value thesis, which uh, you obviously believe in, um, mm -hmm. your long Bitcoin. Uh, and short the bankers. <laughs> and short the bankers. We're going to talk about that as well. Um, that's the store of value uh, use case. There's, um, uh, then there's, you know, the protocol um, use case that keeps getting talked about. Um, there's obviously the application layer. There's stable coins after that. Um, and then equity deals. So you focus on the store of value. Um, the equity deals. Um, what about protocols? What about applications? What about yep. stable coins? 
Um, stable coins, I think, are interesting for uh, a very small set of use cases. Sure. Um, but there is value in uh, having a stable unit of account that mm -hmm. can be transferred between people across borders, et cetera. So, so I think that there will be uh, use cases there, but probably not an investment opportunity that we're excited about. Sure. Um, when it comes to protocols, uh, I tend to believe that there will be consolidation, uh, you know, five or less kind of win in the long run. Um, I think people are underestimating, uh, one, how big Bitcoin's transaction network is already, mm -hmm. uh, and then two, how important security will be mm -hmm. um, as kind of that ground uh, layer foundation, uh, which obviously the Bitcoin uh, network has. Uh, and then in terms of applications, um, I'm less interested in defining we're going to invest in applications or not invest in applications or you know uh, distributed applications or decentralized applications are really important etc mm. uh, and we just want to find technology that's solving problems right and, and yeah. uh, i tell founders all the time that uh, building a dap doesn't mean that people are going to use your service yeah and so the idea of like building decentralized facebook mm -hmm. uh is pretty dumb in mm -hmm. my opinion mm -hmm. um mainly because uh nobody's going to use it because it's decentralized sure. if you build a social network that's 10 times better than facebook mm -hmm. and you can somehow get people to leave the network effects that facebook has yeah. then maybe they use your product and oh by the way it's decentralized mm -hmm. right decentralization is not the value prop, sure. it's a feature that's a nice to have, yeah. right, for, for many users. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, I mean, you care about founders sort of solving problems. So what do you think are the biggest problems that need solving at the moment? We, we got to get more smart people working on scalability, like, you know, things like Lightning Network, yeah. uh, Liquid, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I think another, you know, huge issue is user experiences. Sure. Um, there's a lot of people who have made technology do interesting, innovative things, but mm -hmm. it's still difficult for non-technical people to use those products. And so we've got to solve that. Yeah. Um, and, and then the third thing uh, is we've got to um, digitize or tokenize those stock bonds, currencies, and commodities. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a combination of technical hurdles, regulation hurdles, and, and then just uh, kind of capital market stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, a lot of people ask me, you know, what's the most important thing that needs to happen in crypto for it to be success successful? Mm -hmm. And I usually just answer with time. Right, this stuff takes time for developers to write code, for investors to invest capital, for entrepreneurs yeah. to build companies, um, and, and so I think we've just got to have this patience about you know seeing this industry develop over uh, over some timeline. Uh, what's your time horizon for the fund? Since we're talking about time, uh, so it's traditional venture fund, ten-year fund. Ten-year fund. Um, but you know, I, I look at this as. Uh, if you don't have a five plus year outlook on different things that you're engaging with in the industry, you're probably going to be disappointed. Sure. Um, doesn't mean that you're wrong, but yep. just the, the probability is that uh, things are going to take longer than you expect. And so kind of five plus years is usually how I look at uh, yep. most of the uh, companies. Yeah. And that's more on the venture side. The index fund, I guess, would have... I, the, is is the, that more of a hedge fund structure or that's... The index fund uh, have even longer time horizon. Okay. So, um, you know, if you invest in the S&P, most people aren't investing in getting out in six months, hmm. right? Yeah. They're investing and they're continuing to invest and they're going to use compounding and, and kind of dollar cost averaging. And um, it's more of a long-term investment vehicle that has a kind of rules-based entry. Yeah. Um, and whether it's, you know, some percentage of each paycheck or whatever, but 
it's very, very long time horizon. Mm. Uh, and, and I tend to think that crypto will outperform public markets over the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, uh, yeah, we're, we're just keep that long time horizon on a lot of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this phrase recently, I mean, it came up uh, in our conversation as well, you know, long Bitcoin shot the <laughs> bankers and, and that's sort of become an anthem over a period of time. There's, you know, it's been quoted in um, multiple traditional media houses. Yep. Um, you know, it's obviously um, highly retweeted on Twitter. Um, how did it come about? What does it mean to you? Um, yeah. So uh, one of the things that we as an industry probably haven't done such a good job of is clearly communicating ideas in very simple terms to the masses. Sure. Um, I tend to think that uh, that is one of the highest leverage things that we can do. Um, and, uh, and specifically, I think uh, I understand that really well. Um, and so there's a couple of different sayings that we've come up with over time, whether it's, you know, tokenize the world, the virus is spreading, yeah. um, long Bitcoin short the bankers. It's a way to communicate, you know, rather complex um, kind of emotional uh, ideas mm -hmm. uh, in very kind of memorable single sentences or one-liners. Um, and when it comes to long Bitcoin short the bankers, it's this idea that, um, you know, there's two financial systems, mm -hmm. right? And, and they are uh, fairly different from each other. There's mm -hmm. the legacy system that um, is highly centralized, is run by humans, mm -hmm. uh, is not very transparent, is uh, wrought with uh, nefarious activity, um, but has a, the highest adoption. Right. And then there's this new alternative financial system um, that's based on math and software code yeah. um, that is much more transparent, that mm -hmm. actually has uh, much less nefarious activity, mm -hmm. um, but has low adoption. And so yeah. this idea that if you put these two alternative financial systems next to each other, um, you know, I have much more confidence in the long term sustainability and, and you know, of, uh, of the digital financial system or the decentralized financial system, so kind of long Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, and then short the bankers really started because uh, bad people do bad things regardless of the industry. And, and yeah. uh, th there's a crypto lot of- Crypto included. Yeah, of course, oh, crypto yeah. included, right? Yeah. And uh, I think people forget how much bad stuff goes on in the traditional financial system. Yeah. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, that one phrase, I think really just illuminates a lot of the, uh, the, the dissent or discourse um, that crypto faces with the legacy system. Yeah. So I know you're super active on Twitter. Is that the best place to follow you uh, and your activities, your thought processes, your I, philosophies? Uh, I, I couldn't get off Twitter at this point <laughs> if I tried. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you've done pretty well. I mean, I don't know if you got most of your followers um, after crypto happened or was that prior to crypto as well? So uh, in the beginning of 2017, uh, January, I told myself I'm going to start using Twitter more. I had like yeah. 3,000 followers. Yeah. Um, and it was a little bit of a game to me, right? I ran these growth teams at Facebook, and so there's this running joke that yeah. uh, anybody who worked at Facebook hasn't seen a number that they don't want to go up into the right. Hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and so they put a follower number there, and I said, I wonder if I could figure out how to grow that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here we are about two years later and uh, I've got like 180,000 followers. Right? It's, yeah. it's insane to me that I can literally pick my phone up and immediately yeah. talk to that many people. That's um, leverage. Yeah, and, yeah. and look, it, it's, uh, it's good and bad, right? I mean, look, I say things sometimes that I'm like, ah, you know what, I don't even believe that anymore, right? Because mm. I've been presented with new information, I've changed my mind. Mm. Well, 
there's 180,000 people who've already read that and think I believe that now, sure. right? And sure. so um, I, I do think that a lot of uh, the success of the large accounts, right? Not just mine, but, but a bunch of people, hmm. They just don't fear the backlash. They don't fear if people think that they're dumb, right? Mm. They, they just say, look, this is what I believe right now and I'm gonna share it and I'd mm. love feedback. And if you wanna retweet it, you wanna reply, knock mm. yourself out, but you know, I'm gonna use the platform how I think is, uh, is best. Yeah, any, any advice on someone who's trying to go the Twitter following? I, I think the three things usually are, um, say what you believe because there's probably more people than you know that are out there and, and believe the same thing mm -hmm. um two is uh you'd be surprised at how much grammar uh punctuation spacing um kind of readability matters right so you'll see me do like a lot of lists or, or paragraphs with spaces in between etc yeah uh and then the third thing is um there's a direct uh whether well, it's causation or correlation between how much you tweet mm -hmm. and the engagement you get. Yeah. And so if you tweet once a week, you're likely not to grow your account that much. Yeah. Um, but if you tweet you know, early and often, um, you've got a much better chance because there's just more content you're putting out in the world for people to interact with. Yeah, You've got a bunch of haters as well, but I, but I see you keep liking all of their tweets. I mean, I'm, hey, uh, the, ha the haters need love too. <laughs> I, no, look, it, uh, the, the haters are... Uh, are funny to me because there's literally people who every yeah. single time I tweet will respond and be like, you're an yeah. idiot, Yeah. right? And so I, I one, one day I just said to myself, it's not worth me uh, trying to engage with these people. Um, and so I started liking their tweets because I figured that would be the one kind thing that I could do. Yeah. Because uh, their tweet actually gets more engagement and distribution after I do that. Absolutely. Uh, and so it's this kind thing that I do for them that I know annoys them. Yeah. And so it's a way for me to, you know, kind of kill them with kindness. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I didn't realize that people were going to catch on to what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so now if somebody tweets something ridiculous at me and I don't like the tweet, everyone starts tagging me in it to try to get <laughs> <laughs> like it, which uh, yeah. has kind of turned it into this, you know, yeah. this kind of inside joke, if you will, with, uh, with people who follow me. Yeah, but uh, do you think you already had a thick skin or you, you've developed it over a period of time? Yeah, look, I've, I grew up in a house with four younger brothers, right? Sure. I, okay. You couldn't walk down the hallway without getting told you're an idiot. Sure. So um, yeah. I, I think that uh, the internet just reveals who we are. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people who, you know, probably aren't happy with their lives and they go on and they just yell at somebody else. Yeah. Um, and then the people who just, I don't care what people on the internet say to me, right? Like, yeah. I do what I want to do and enjoy my life and, um, you know. Absolutely. Not worry about it. Yeah. Guys, um, so we've got Bump. Uh, follow him on Twitter. You've got a newsletter as well, Off The Chain. Um, subscribe. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose a little, little plug-in. Uh, we'll put the links uh, in, in the podcast, in the video. Uh, but thank you so much for you know taking the time out. I know you yeah, have a very busy you. schedule. Um, and uh, yeah, we hope to keep seeing you in Singapore. Absolutely. I'll be back for sure. Thanks so yeah. much for having me. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram. And subscribe to our newsletter on decrypt.asia. This is your host, Tashar. Thank you for listening.